Well, I hope I'm not the first one to say good, good morning to you and uh, welcome to church on behalf of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. You picked the best place to be on a Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're here. I'm Jamie, and I'm one of the pastors here, and today it is my honor and privilege to invite you to point your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Now, we normally work through books of the Bible a little bit at a time. We're working our way through the Gospel of Luke. Today and uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a break from that series and considering what is a church. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one in front of you, in the pew in front of you. On one of the black Bibles, you'll find Acts chapter 20 on page 929. Bottom right-hand corner is where we will begin reading. As I said, uh, we're in the middle of a series called What is a Church? And uh, last week, we considered a few things that the Bible teaches about what the church is. And we learned uh, that the church is God's redeemed community, built on Christ, who proclaims Christ, who models Christ, and who points others to Christ. If you didn't have a chance to be here last Lord's Day, I would encourage you to go on the websites and listen to that sermon. Today we consider the question, who leads the church? Last week, what is the church today? Who leads the church? So we're going to be bouncing around a little bit in the New Testament. So have your Bibles at hand and ready to go. We'll be starting in Acts chapter 20. And before we read the section we're going to consider, I would like to just do a quick setup on what's going on in Acts 20, so when we read it, you'll kind of know where we are. The book of Acts tells us what happened a few decades, for the few decades following Jesus' death and ascent, resurrection and ascension into heaven. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church. The Word of God increased, and Christians came to faith and were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and as the gospel was shared, people came to faith Churches were established in towns across the Roman Empire. Elders were appointed in every church. Paul, who is an apostle, a messenger of God, helped to start and to establish and strengthen churches all over Asia Minor. Here in Acts chapter 20, we read about his ministry in a town called Ephesus. Now, he's preparing to leave Ephesus, and so he calls the elders of the church to him, and he gives them some instructions. And Paul's instructions to these elders tells us a good deal about his ministry in the church, and specifically who leads the church. And I think they'll be helpful for our time this morning, considering this matter of who leads the church. So we're going to begin reading at verse 17. Big, long passage. We're going to read all the way down to verse 38. And then we'll spend most of our time considering just a few verses, verses 28 to 31. So I'll read the passage. And I'll ask for the Lord's help on our understanding, and then we will jump into it. So this is Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 17. So follow along, whatever translation you're using. This is the word of the Lord. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem. Constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. 
But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Would you pray with me? Father, would you now give us eyes to see the glories of Jesus and ears to hear his word? Would you enable us to give hearty attention to the words that we have read, full attention to the words we have read? And may what we do in the next few moments glorify God and God alone. In his name we pray. Amen. If you had to guess how many times the word pastor appears in your Bible, what would you say? Five times? Ten times maybe? Well, it may surprise you to learn that the word pastor does not even appear one time in the Bible most of you hold in your laps right now. In the English Standard Version, which is my preferred version, it is the word shepherd. And even if you prefer a different translation, like the New International Version, the New American Standard Version, the New King James Version, the word pastor only appears one time in the whole New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 4, which we'll consider in a few moments. Does that surprise you? Well, with such an important office in the church, you would think that the Bible would have a lot to say about pastors. And it does. It's just that pastors are called something different in the New Testament. They're called leaders. They're called overseers. 
They're called elders. So we're considering the question, who leads the church? And the answer to that question technically is, well, Jesus Christ leads the church. The Bible teaches that Christ is the head of the church. He leads her. And the passage that we'll consider today will tell us more specifically how he leads the church. And here's the big idea this morning. You can see it on the the screen. That Jesus Christ cares for and leads and protects and grows his people through qualified elders. Jesus Christ leads his church, cares for his church, protects his church, grows his church through qualified elders. I'll, I'll attempt to draw from the New Testament three things about these elders, three, three main conclusions about who leads the church. Number one, elders are overseers who care for the God's church. Elders are overseers who care for God's church. Number two, elders know and lead and feed and protect God's church. Elders know God's people, lead God's people, feed God's people, protect God's people. And number three, through elders, Jesus Christ grows God's church. That's the outline. But we should start with definitions. Before we get into the weeds of things, we'd like to establish some definitions. Clarity is important here. What is an elder? What is an elder? If we we are right about this, that an elder is someone who God uses to grow his church, then we need to know who they are. Who, Who is an elder? And I trust that you'll see from the New Testament that an elder is a pastor, an overseer. So we can see that in Acts chapter 20. If you still have your Bible open to Acts chapter 20, let's have a closer look at a couple of verses. Go back to verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. We're just going to read one verse and we're going to skip ahead. So Acts chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he called to, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So here's what we have from one verse there. We, we have a church in the city of Ephesus and that church has elders. And Paul is leaving the area. Before he does, he calls these elders to himself, gives them instruction. And I wish we had time to unpack all that he says to them. But for our current purpose, skip down to verse 28. Listen to what Paul says to these elders in Ephesus. Verse 28. He says to them, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. So Paul describes the office of elder as a man who cares for God's flock. He is an overseer. So those two things, he cares for the flock of God and he oversees the flock of God. And the word overseer there in Acts 20, 28 means a supervisor, guardian, leader. So an an elder is an overseer who cares for the church. And Paul does this exact same thing using the same, the same office with two different descriptions of that office in Titus chapter 1. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. You can read it later. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Paul tells Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, 
so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then a couple verses later, Paul goes on to describe the qualifications of those elders with these words, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. And he goes on and on. So there again, we have the apostle referring to the same office of elder as elder and overseer. So, so you with me? An elder is an overseer. What about pastor? Because you said an elder is a pastor. Where do we see that? It's right there in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. In the word care. The word care means shepherd. It's pastor is the noun form of the word care. It's actually the word shepherd is the best translation. This is where it gets confusing. Pastor is not an English word. It's a Latin word. Pastor is the Latin word for shepherd, which is why it sounds so much like pasture. A pastor is a shepherd. These are two words for the same thing. So anytime in the Bible you see the word shepherd, you should think pastor. So it would be a perfectly, trans, perfectly acceptable translation, verse 28, to say, hey, dear elders, pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, to pastor the church of God. For an even clearer connection between elder and shepherd, elder and pastor, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Five, if you're still using one of the church Bibles, that's page 1016. Chapter numbers are the big numbers, verse numbers are the little numbers. You can read along with me on the screen, but I would like you to see it in your own Bible. First Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, we read Peter saying, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. There it is. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight as overseers, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So here we see the Apostle Peter, just like the Apostle Paul, calling elders shepherds. So what is an elder? An elder is one who shepherds the flock of God, a pastor. So I hope that's clear. An elder is a shepherd. An elder is a pastor. Shepherd and pastor, two words for the same thing. He's a man appointed by God to shepherd the church of God. That's who he is, and that's what he does. So again, when you think of an elder, do not think of a project manager. Don't think of a man who's running a not-for-profit company called the church. Don't think of a foreman. Don't think of a businessman. Don't think of a man who sits on a board, who sits on a committee. Think of a shepherd. That's who he is. When you think of a pastor, think of a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for his flock. What does a pastor do? What does an elder do? The same thing. 
cares for the flock of God. Another thing that you should know about elders, they come in packs. In the New Testament, the word elder always appears in plural form. You saw that in Acts chapter 20. Paul called for the elders of the church in Ephesus, not the elder. He told Titus to appoint elders in every town. Peter exhorts the elders among you. All of them plural. I think it's most clear in Acts chapter 14. The apostles preach the gospel, make many disciples. They're encouraging them in the faith. And Luke says this about what they did. And they, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So there you see elders in the plural form and church in the singular form. Elders in every church. So the apostles did not establish one pastor over a church, but a plurality of pastors in every church. And that's the point. The New Testament envisions a plurality of overseers, a plurality of elders, a plurality of pastors who care for and shepherd and pastor every church. And so I happen to be one of the elders of Cornerstone, one of the elders, one of the pastors. And my voice carries no more weight or authority in overseeing this church than any one of the other elders. We are, we are a plurality. And this fact alone is healthy for the church, and healthy for my own soul. My voice is one voice among many voices that God the Holy Spirit has gifted these men with wisdom to lead this church. And I'm just one of them. And it means occasionally that I will lose votes, that I think it should go this way, but the elders think it should go this way, and we go this way. And this is wonderfully good for you, and it is wonderfully good for me. It keeps this church from being about one man's agenda and one man's idea. Because after all, the church is all about one man's agenda and one man's idea, and I am not him. That seat has been taken. So the point that I'm making here is that an elder is a pastor, an overseer who cares for the church of God, and they come in packs. And if you have questions about that, about elders and pastors, please see me after. That is what an elder is. Now, what does an elder do? Well, let's go back to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to see a few things, four of them, I think, that tell us what an elder is to do. Acts chapter 20, we read that elders... Know their people, lead their people, feed their people, and protect their people. So let's read verses 28 to 31 again. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. So we can see four things that elders do. They know their people. They lead their people. They feed their people. And they protect their people. And look at each one of these things. First, elders know their people. Paul writes in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Pay careful attention. It's one word in the original language. It means to be in a state of constant alert, to be on guard, to be keeping watch, to be just locked in. To pay careful attention. This is what elders do for the people that God has entrusted to their care. But notice that elders are to pay careful attention to two sets of people, not just one. First, they are to pay attention to themselves. By this, I think Paul means that they are to pay attention to themselves individually, but also to themselves as a team. And so the first thing that we usually do in an elders meeting is to go around the table and to share how we're doing. And we talk about the answers to questions like, how, how, how's your spiritual life? How, how's your Bible reading? How's your prayer? Are you battling any ungodly thoughts or behaviors? How's your relationship with your wife? We talk about how we're feeling encouraged and, and where we're feeling discouraged. We even talk about our own finances. We are trying to pay careful attention to one another. First Peter 5 said that elders are to be examples to the flock. And so we need to make sure that as elders, we are being good, godly examples to the people that God has entrusted to us. We need to make sure that these men who lead us are spiritually healthy. And there's other reasons for this. I'm not just an elder. I'm also a sheep. I need these men to lead me. I need them to know how I am. And so I have to be honest and tell them where I'm struggling, where I have fears and doubts and discouragements. I need them to shepherd me. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And then Paul says, and to all the flock. All the flock. So elders must know their people. And I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you, this has been one of the bigger challenges that I have found in bringing these two churches together. If it were just a matter of paperwork uniting these two churches, then we'd be done already. But we cannot at any cost neglect to care for the church that God has entrusted to us. And I'll be honest, this is, the, this is the thing that keeps me up at night. Are God's people being shepherded? Are they being led spiritually? Are they being encouraged? Are they being built up? Are they being corrected when necessary? Once we become one church, if the Lord is pleased to do this, I pray and please ask that you would pray that we would do so fruitfully, that we would do the shepherding care of the church well. But before any pastor can shepherd their people, they need to know their people. 
They need to know who they are, and they need to know how they're doing. And so again, about once a month, the elders go through the membership role of both churches and name my name, ask how that person's doing spiritually. Anything that we can do to serve them. And we pray for you by name. Does that feel invasive? I mean, in one sense, if it feels invasive, I understand. You may be a private person. You may not like others knowing what's going on in your life. I get that. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt by church leaders in the past. So I totally get that. But on the other hand, this is what elders are called to do, to pay careful attention to all the flock. But you know, there's a phrase at the end of verse 28 that should terrify any elder that is worth his weight. You are the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Church, if God was willing to spill the blood of his own son to purchase you, how precious are you to him? And how committed is he to your ongoing care? If you had a a dear friend who worked hard his whole life and saved up and purchased a beach home, and he let you use that beach home of his for your vacation. Your love for your friend, your gratitude to your friend would mean that when you were at his beach home, which he worked so hard to obtain, you would treat it better than you even treat your own home, wouldn't you? You'd feel awful if he broke something or spilled something on the carpet. But what if we're not talking about your friend but we're talking about God. And what if we're not talking about his life savings, but we're talking about the life of his own son? And what if we're not talking about a beach house, but we're talking about God's own children? Now you can understand why every elder must take pastoral care with utmost seriousness. And I would encourage you this afternoon, if you have some time, to read Ezekiel chapter 34. And there you'll learn how your Lord feels about neglectful and selfish shepherds. In fact, in the King James Version, it just uses the Latin word pastor there. I like that. Drives the point home. Please just listen carefully to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, as you're thinking about elders, pastors, shepherds, overseers. Hebrews 13, 17 Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Understand that every person in this room, actually every person who's ever lived, will one day have to stand before the Lord of glory, the risen Christ himself, and give account of their own lives. That's true of everyone here. 
But for the elders in this room, they will stand before the same risen Lord of glory to give an account for their lives and they will give an account for yours. I like you. I'm terrified of him. So elders are appointed by God to pastor God's people. If you're not a Christian and you're with us, I'm glad you came to church on a day we'd be talking about pastors. It just may sound really weird and strange to you. and It's true, though. There really is a God in heaven, and He really loved His people this way, that He gave His own Son to die on the cross for their sins. The things they committed wrong, He was blamed, and He suffered the penalty they deserved Himself. And he died, and God raised him from the dead on the third day. And all who turn to him in faith will be forgiven of their sins, united to Christ himself, gifted the very righteousness of God, and granted eternal life. Friend, if you would like to be reconciled to God and made right with him today, turn from your sin, trust in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. No matter who you are, what you've done, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. After the service is over today, find a Christian and ask them to tell you more about how to become a Christian. Elders and pastors are those who know their people. Next, we read that elders are those who lead their people. They know their people, they lead their people. Where do they lead them? Well, remember, an elder is a shepherd. And where does a shepherd lead his flock? Green pasture, where they can feed. So an elder leads and feeds God's people. Elders are leaders. Acts chapter 20 and 1 Peter chapter 5 tell us that elders are overseers. And an elder oversees the people of God. He exercises oversight, to use Peter's language. But if you remember from 1 Peter 5, he warned that elders should not domineer over the people that they've been entrusted to care for. So your pastors cannot domineer over you. They have one goal, one goal alone. Paul told the Corinthian church, we don't lord authority over you, but here's what we do. We work with your joy in him. That is how committed your God is to your joy. It is not, joy is not something that God just hopes will happen. It is something he's entrusted men to work to give you. So one of the primary purposes of your pastors is to increase your joy in the Lord and to put steel in your spine as you're fighting against the world and the flesh and the devil. Paul wrote with a pastor's heart when he told that very same church, I would gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That's the heart of a pastor. Not somebody who gets to tell you what to do, but a man who is spent to see you flourish and your joy in the Lord deepen. Elders lead not because they like telling people what to do, 
They lead because they know where to find good pasture. And there are going to be times when you don't like where your elders are leading you. There are times when your elders may think you should go this way, but you're like, well, we should go this way. And in those times, I would encourage you, please pray. Are these godly men? Are they leading me this direction for my harm? Or for what they sincerely believe is for my good? You're going to have to trust that God knew what he was doing in structuring his church in the way he did. That these men are leading you for your good. You know, I would like to point out to you that there are probably 20 or 21 qualifications for an elder listed in Scripture. And every single one of them, except for one, are character qualifications. All of the qualifications for an elder are character qualifications except for one. This is because elders and pastors are men who are worthy of imitation. Over and over in his letters, Paul is telling people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We just read it in 1 Peter 5, be examples to the flock. Paul said this in Acts 20, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. Elders are godly men worthy of imitation. Hebrews 13, again, this is verse 7. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, elders are not perfect men. Your pastors will sin. But we are to imitate our pastors even in the way that we see them repenting of sin. Bearing fruit in keeping with repentance in their life. Look to your elders as examples. Look to them for how to spend your time and your money. How they organize their lives. How they manage their households. How they raise their children. How they love their spouse. Look to them and how they handle adversity and disappointment and suffering. Look to them on how they handle Scripture and what they pray for and how they pray for those things. I just love that Pastor Paul pointed out that in the bulletin when you have all the things about what's going on in people's lives, things you can be praying for. And he pointed our attention back to that. That's good shepherding. Reminding us all. One of the purposes of the worship guide is so that you know what to be praying for that week. The events that are coming up, you might not be interested in those things, but pray that God would bring fruit from those things. Elders are to be examples to us, even in the way that they treat people who don't like them. They're to be examples to us in the way that they handle situations when people disagree with them. Elders are to lead by example. And more than anything else, elders and leaders and pastors and overseers lead through God's word as teachers. 
Elders know God's people. Elders lead God's people. Elders feed. Remember when I said that there was only one qualification for an elder that was not a character qualification? You want to know what that one is? Able to teach. That's it. Able to teach. For Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. The, the way that an elder leads his people is by teaching and preaching and modeling God's word. He has no more authority except God's word. The, elder of, the elders of the church have no authority outside of this book. This is the authority. Elders are godly men who teach the Bible. They take care of God's people by teaching God's people. And you've heard it said a number of times, the Spirit of God works through the Word of God on the people of God to form and shape them into the image of the Son of God, all for the glory of God. And this happens primarily through the teaching ministry of the elders. So more than anything else, he is a man of the word. And that brings us to the final thing that we see that elders do in this section of Scripture. Elders know their people, lead their people, teach their people, and you see here they protect God's people. This is Acts 20, verses 29 and 30. Paul says, I know that after I leave, fierce wolves are coming. You're not going to spare the flock. Even from your own cells will be men rising, twisting Scripture to draw people away after them. And so he says, be alert. Part of an elder's responsibility is to protect God's people from false teachers. He's not to be quarrelsome, but he must be able to rebuke those who contradict sound doctrine. Lies about the character and nature of God, we can... Faith, steal joy. Don't increase joy. And they draw people away from Christ. And so the job of an elder and a pastor is to protect the flock of God, false teachers, whom Paul calls wolves. And it's just one more reason you need to pray for your elders. This requires tremendous amount of discernment. Because there are sheep who need to be taught and then there are wolves who need to be shot. And sometimes it's not easy to see which one it is. And some elders are trigger happy. And others won't even take the safety off the gun. You want supremely patient men who will, when necessary, pull the trigger. And this is, again, one more reason why you do want a plurality of pastors in the church. Wolves don't generally waltz into a church announcing themselves as a wolf. Although I did have a guy one time come to the church with a business card on it and said, Apostle. And I was like, oh, that's it. Makes it real easy. Thank you. <laughs> it takes discernment 
Because Jesus warned us that some wolves come in sheep's clothing, didn't he? But the Lord also told us that you will know them by their fruits. And so a wolf might not walk in the, in the doors of the church and say, I'm a wolf. But the wolf will out himself eventually by the fruits of his life. Read Second Peter. Pride, sensuality, greed, just being unteachable. So elders are pastors, qualified men to oversee the church, who know, lead, feed, protect God's people. And we come to our last point, and this is where we'll end our time together. Through these men, the Lord grows his church into her purpose. And for our final point, I would direct you to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, section 2, read here, which I trust will be helpful. Ephesians chapter 4, this is nine, page 977 of the Church Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. I'm going to read rather quickly here and skip down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now skip down to verse 11. And he gave, this is Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's one sentence. I love Paul. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joint and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so here we can see the connection to last week's message. There is one body, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father over all. If you are a Christian, you are part of that one body. You are an important part of that one body. We need you. You need others. Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, we'll consider how that works. Verse 11 says that Jesus Christ gave gifts to his church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd and teachers. That's where in your Bible, if you have a Bible that uses the word pastor, that's where it appears. It's the word shepherd. There's no, notice, no definite article between pastors and teachers. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd and teachers. And I think it's probably because pastors and teachers are referring to the same person. Now consider the purpose of these men. Verses 12 and 13 say it is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
to build up the body of Christ, to bring unity to the body of Christ, to grow them in the knowledge of God, to mature them into Christ-likeness. God the Son works through elders to grow God's people into her purpose. And I would like to point out that our pastors equip us to do the work of ministry. We don't outsource gospel ministry to our pastors. We receive the tools to do gospel ministry from our pastors. Paul goes on to explain that this results in God's church being built up, strong in the Lord, secure and stable, not tossed to and fro, not unsettled by adversity or hardship. Pastors ensure that God's people have a secure faith so they won't be blown off course by the shifting winds of culture. That we be grounded to God's unchangeable word. That we won't be deceived by human cunning and by deceitful schemes. But rather, verse 15, we would speak the truth in love. And that we will in every way grow into Christ. Each of us having received our purpose from the Lord himself. Equipped by elders, pastors in our lives to give us the tools that we need to function as a part of the body of Christ. And look at verse 16. It is just an amazing promise that when each of us are doing our part, the whole church grows. It builds itself up in love. And I hope to look at that in more depth in a couple of weeks. So who leads the church? Christ leads the church through godly men who care for her, lead her, feed her, and protect her. We need pastors, elders, men who pray for us, men who teach us, men who care for us, men who will give their lives to see Christ formed in us. We need humble, selfless men to drive us deep into the delights of Christ. Men who equip us to do our purpose, who encourage us, who correct us, but more than anything, help us become more like Christ. Pray for these men. Thank God for them. To the degree that you see them following Christ, follow them. Do so for your own joy and for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our pastors. Men that you have entrusted to care for us, to lead us, to feed us, to protect us. Would you help us to remember them in our prayers? Lord, I have to admit to our apprehension to follow anyone except for ourselves. Lord, it's hard to follow fallible men. Please help us. 
There are species of pride which rise up in our lives every time a decision we don't like is made. Please help us. Grant us all humility and grace and patience. And Lord, for the pastors of this new church, may the men that you have chosen to shepherd this flock do so with Christ-like selflessness and with the right motive. Remove every molecule of domineering from their bodies and fill them with your spirit to lead us, feed us, protect us, and care for our spiritual needs. Do this so that Jesus would receive the glory that only he deserves. Amen. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your assurance of pardon today comes from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9, where we read that it will be said on the last day, Behold, this is our God, we have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Please stand to your feet. Pastor.